I want to talk about, yesterday I mentioned we talked about Zazen, and um, I mentioned in that talk the idea of Zazen, our Zazen supporting each other. My Zazen supports all of you, all of your Zazen supports me. And we may know, I mean, we know that, we might know that in our heads. But to, um, to let that sink into our hearts so that we begin to manifest a heart of service to each other, to the world. Service is complicated. It's a complicated thing in our society to explore because it has been so polluted by exploitation. And so we have lots of mixed feelings about what it is even to go into that topic. But one of the reasons I want to bring it up is because Dogen, who you just chanted, who's a 13th century Zen teacher who is the founder of this tradition in Japan, he had two aspirations that he specifically wrote fascicles on. And I've mentioned these before. One was an aspiration to uphold wholesome moral behavior without any attachment to outcomes. To uphold wholesome moral behavior without any attachment to outcomes. In other words, doesn't matter if people notice. Doesn't matter if they celebrate me. Doesn't matter if it has the effects that I hope it has. But I have an aspiration to uphold wholesome moral behavior regardless. So I'm not attached to the outcome of that. That's not the one I'm going to talk about today. The aspiration I want to talk about is the second aspiration he talks about, which is the aspiration for the awakening of all beings. So we have this moral aspiration, this ethical aspiration, and then we have an aspiration for the awakening of all beings, the liberation of all beings from suffering. And one particular quote where he talks about the aspiration for awakening in its, mat in its mature form and its um, beginning form. And the beginning form is usually about my awakening. And then it changes over time. But he says, the ultimate mind means attaining enlightenment the Buddha fruit. If you compare unsurpassable, complete enlightenment with the beginner's aspiration for enlightenment, it is like comparing a blaze that destroys the world with the blinking of a firefly. Yet, if you arouse the intention of awakening others first, these two are indistinguishable. The most mature expression of liberation and awakening dwarfs our initial aspiration for liberation and awakening unless that aspiration for awakening is in service of everyone else's aspiration. In service of everyone else's aspiration, 
then what Dogen, he says this a lot. Um, then our aspiration is as powerful as the most mature expression of it. So when we're sitting zazen, if our heart's aspiration is the liberation of all beings, is the freedom of all beings, then that aspiration is incredibly powerful. So if I'm returning to my breath, I'm returning to my breath for the liberation of all beings. If I'm adjusting my posture, I'm adjusting my posture for the liberation of all beings. Whatever it is I'm doing, what I'm holding in my heart is the service of the liberation of everyone. Right? And so that gives us a kind of interesting check. Right? What is happening with our aspiration? Where is it directed? And one of the reasons this is important is, I mean, this is probably not lost on anyone here, is if it's not directed in that, it's usually directed at me. And the interesting thing about having the aspiration for my liberation is it becomes this very confused aspiration where we think there's a little being in here that's going to be liberated. That the separate self is somehow a thing that gets liberated. There's no such thing as that. So what are you liberating? When the aspiration is about me being liberated, then I'm just going to get caught up in confusion. And we do that for a while. But at a certain point, the heart has to take a turn. This is sometimes referred to as the bodhicitta turn. The heart has to take a turn in its realization. I mean, hopefully we can take this turn even before the realization. But the realization that there is no little being in here to liberate. Liberation is the recognition that that self that feels separate from all things isn't there. It never was there. So turning it toward everyone else and their liberation from suffering both recognizes that I'm not putting energy into that separate self and also I'm turning my energy to the whole of the world that is actually me. That's one aspect of the turn that's really important is we're turning toward the entire world which is what is actually me. Everything is me. Not some little node that we kind of yank off of everything. Where do we find that line? What are the things we're including and not including? Who are the people deserving of liberation from suffering? First of all, it's really foolish. <laughs> if we're concerned about our own happiness, it's really foolish not to want the happiness of everyone else. The Dalai Lama calls the Bodhisattva vow wise selfishness. Because if we really want to be happy, then everybody else, we need, everybody else needs to be happy. If we really want to be safe and secure, then everybody else needs to be safe and secure. Because what breeds danger is harm to everyone else. What breeds danger for us is harm to everyone else. So if we really want to get clear 
about what it is to transform ourselves in the world, then our aspiration has to be everyone. And our life is a heart of service to everyone. We're walking down the street. It's very interesting to walk down a New York street from a heart of service and watch how our behavior changes, how we start stopping for people, letting people go by, letting people have their space, making sure they're okay, noticing someone is struggling, the, and, and doing something about that struggling. Instead of, oh, it's struggling, I don't have time for their struggling. Where are we going? Where are any of us going that we don't have time for each other struggling? But it is, um, it, it's a difficult city to do that in, I realize. And the city remains difficult because we don't do that. A heart of service or an aspiration for service to all beings is not to be confused with enforced service through a system that exploits people. The difference between those kinds of service is a giant mountain. It's the difference between a vow of poverty and somebody being impoverished by an economic system where they're hungry. Those are two very different things. We're talking about aspiring to a spiritual heart of service. And a spiritual heart of service is not going to tolerate, if it's clarified, if it's the service of the Bodhisattva vow, which includes all people, it's not going to tolerate um, exploitation and domination. It's going to serve the world in such a way to remove that suffering, not easy to do. But its energy is in that direction. So when we're here with each other, I mean, this is the training ground. The Sangha is the training ground in this way, in the sense that we can become clear what it is to be in service of one another's awakening in a way that is loving, clarifying, isn't falling into the habits of violence that we see in other places in terms of what it is to serve. So we're all in service. If, for me right now to, to give a talk must come from the heart of being in service of you all and in service of the ancestors, or it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what comes out of my mouth. It doesn't matter. It's scrap heap, garbage. If it's coming out of something that is looking, is, is grasping this one, then yeah, there's no reason to speak. If our activities are coming, if our activities in this community are coming out of me, I'm showing up for me, I'm showing up for me, then there will be no strength here. There will be no community in that sense. 
the people who show up when, 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 when Dogen, and there won't be awakening, there won't be liberation. And, and, you know, Dogen is clear over and over again about there are no such thing as Buddhas, there are only Buddha activity. There's only Buddha activity. There's only the manifestation of Buddha-ness in our activity. And so when we come here and people show up early and they're caring for the Zendo and they're setting everything up, those people are caring for your liberation, your Zazen, your awakening. When we get an email <laughs> saying, can somebody come do that? It is an invitation to care for each other's awakening is an invitation to care for each other's liberation, is an invitation to actually manifest the aspiration that Dogen says is necessary so that our aspiration can be as powerful as the Buddha's. If our aspiration is going to be as powerful as the Buddha's, it has to be an aspiration that is devoted to everyone else's liberation. And we do that with our bodies. We set our bodies down in Zazen, we clean floors, we set up Zendos, we take care of communities that are devoted to liberation. If we're not gonna learn how to do it here, we know how hard it is to do it in other places when other folks are, are, have different aspirations. Because, and this isn't to blame anyone, we have a society that's sending us very confusing messages. One message is <laughs> your labor is something to be turned into a commodity and exploited so that people can make money. And those people are often not you. Right? That's one <laughs> message that's being sent everywhere. And the other message is and you should be entirely devoted to your own self-aggrandizement and getting as wealthy and powerful as you possibly can so that you can feel safe and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the two messages. Now, how are we going to have any sane sense of what to do in that situation? What is it, how are we going to understand what it is, how are we not going to have confused ideas of what it is to be in service? Either service is you exploiting me, or I'm trying to draw whatever I can to build this individual that is really powerful and doesn't need other people. Because everything's toward the nuclear family and making sure the nuclear family is powerful and otherwise, eh. So there is, and it varies in different communities, but I'm talking about the dominant set of messages. There are communities who are in deep resistance to this, thank goodness. And not because they're consciously in deep resistance, they just have traditions that, won't, that, that, that are in resistance to it. But all of our communities are being affected. A few hundred years of colonization and this kind of message, and it, we get pretty saturated. So, 
to actually begin to cultivate a community that understands that being in service of everyone's liberation is our liberation. To be in service of everyone's liberation is our liberation. And then you watch what happens. We've all felt this. When there's a, there's a groove going and everybody is in doing work and everybody is, is in service of each other and, and people are responding to one another and suddenly there's this dynamic flow of a community that is harmonized and caring for each other. And when that is happening, something changes in all of us. Something begins to change and wake up in all of us, and we can feel a collective body as ourself. We can start to feel the Sangha as me. That can actually be kind of scary at first. We might resist that. We might not want to surrender to that. We might want to hold on to a kind of hardened individuality. We might want to safeguard against falling into community like that. But, and I'll talk more about this tomorrow, but tomorrow I want to talk about the things that I've noticed are taken up by the people who actually experienced, who, who experienced transformation over time in this kind of a community. And one of the things that is consistently taken up is service to the community. Is being engaged in that way, is coming from that place, is beginning to understand themselves as, as that. And then that expands to broader life. Maybe you were already raised in a, in, in a way that, that you understand service. I mean, it's interesting how little <laughs> Dogen uses that kind of language, and I think in part it's because it was a given. It was a very different culture, community, society than the one we currently live in. That kind of communal service to each other was just a given. It's Confucian society, it's just done. Same way with the Buddha, just a given. We're having to heal from some confusion around individualism that's got us a little confused. But the, um, and the two, you know, I don't want to pretend that one's um, a panacea and the other's not. They, the needs of an individual person and the needs of a community need to be in conversation with each other both have the ability to obliterate the other in ways that are dangerous. But to actually begin to um, sit zazen as the sangha, as the world. And what is, um, everything else stays the same. We still focus on our breath. We still focus on our posture. We still notice the thoughts going through our minds. All those things stay the same. All the instructions stay the same. Everything that you've heard stays the same with one turn. 
It's for the liberation of all beings. Every single thing that is done is for that. Walking down the street is for the liberation of all beings. Paying attention to wholesome moral activity without grasping the results is for the benefit of all beings. Sweeping the floors for the benefit of all beings, especially the beings here who are sitting. The ones closest to us, those are the ones we're addressing right now in this moment. A lot of the people around the time of the Buddha, there was a teacher and there were their disciples, but the disciples were not necessarily brought together into a community. The Buddha very specifically said that the, there has to be the formation of a Sangha, a collective, a federation of people devoted to this way of life for them to wake up together. So from the very, from the very, very beginning, from the very beginning, liberation was understood as something that happened in Sangha with people in service of each other. That was not true of all the Brahmin teachers. And it may be because the Buddha came from a community that operated in that way. He came from a community that was more um, organized around, what's the word I'm looking for? Clan. It was a clan structure with people who were in conversation about how things were to happen. So that may just be his, but it was something that he understood. So this service piece, when we go to Chan, Zen came from Chan in China. When we go to the Chan temples, you know this. Some of you already know this. The Chan temples don't, often don't let you sit Zazen right away. Two years of service to the community before you're allowed to sit zazen. Two years of understanding, of going through the process of understanding that your practice is not for you before you get to sit down. Now, Huineng, we see this with the sixth ancestor Huineng, right? He comes, they send him to the kitchen. Some people think he's being um, singled out. But that was standard activity and is still standard activity. You come to a monastery, you go to the kitchen. You go to service. You don't get to go to the sitting hall. But in, but in this country, I mean, I think in part because of our Protestant background, everybody gets access to everything right away or people get very mad. Right? You need to have everything immediately out of the gate. There isn't a process of, well, let's see. Let's see if you've grown up. Let's see if, because in some ways, the current culture is one that says, that toddler, mine, 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 you should just do that till you die. Just keep going, mine, 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 in more sophisticated ways as you get older and older and older, and then you die with your hand wrapped around all the stuff you've gained in that lifetime. We don't grow up. And in some ways, especially if you're, in some ways, in many, 
service is the, the heart of service is the marker of what it means to grow up. Is to realize I am in service of everyone. I'm in service of the next generation. I am in service of the next generation, full stop. That's what I'm doing right now. And as I move, as I get older, that becomes clearer and clearer and clearer that I am in service of the next generation. And if I'm in service of myself to the day of my death, then we have a culture without elders. And a culture without elders is in trouble. I believe that what we're doing here is is deeply important in terms of repairing some of the harm to human community. Are we thinking of our lives as we grow older in terms of the people for whom it's appropriate for me to be in service to? At what point do I release my life? And serve the ones coming so that they can become full human beings and serve the next generation so that they can become full human beings and serve the next generation. We can barely get beyond our own kids in terms of who we're serving. But we're serving generations and generations. We're not serving just our grandchildren, we're serving their grandchildren. We're sitting zazen to cultivate a heart of service to all beings' liberation, generation after generation after generation, not just the ones here. the ones not yet come. And this seems, to my estimation, this seems to be critical to everything that's going wild right now, that's off the tracks, ecological crisis, inability to talk to each other, <laughs> you know, all of these things. Another place Dogen says, do not speak of another's faults unless you are experiencing affection and empathy at that moment. Affection and empathy for the person you're speaking about. Sometimes we do have to say, so-and-so's harming themselves by doing X, Y, and Z. But to really check in and say, are we speaking with affection and empathy at the time we're saying it? Or are we going, I'm better than them. That affection and empathy is another kind of service to them and to each other.
So it builds living from this kind of heart clarifies the interconnectedness that is the truth of reality. Living from a heart of service clarifies the interconnectedness that is the truth of reality, which is why the embodiment of it over time clarifies delusion and leads to liberation and awakening. Notice the people who are taking up those roles of service and those who aren't. And sometimes we can't because we have service obligations all over the place. But if we have those, even if we're, even if we're in service in other places, to bring that same heart to it. I'm walking in the room. There's somebody that it's my job to be with. How can I bring that heart to them? Now we also, if we're not going to have, we talked about this yesterday, if we're not going to have resentment build, we have to be in service of our own body and needs. We have to also be in service of our own body and needs, rest, care for ourselves, not work 700 hours, speaking from experience, all of these things right, that we do. We have to be in service of our bodies. Now, to be service in service of our bodies and needs, and this is the egoic work we have to do, is not the same as being in service of our egoic indulgences. To discern our bodily needs from our egoic indulgences is a lifelong practice. <laughs> and, um, and to understand what those are so that we can be available to our own care and to others' care. so that we can love ourselves and love others. So that we can be integral to each other because we already are integral to each other. We already are. We're mammals. This is the way we are built. When reptiles are afraid, they run into caves. When we're afraid, we run to each other. All mammals run to each other. They'd rather be in the wide open and piled on each other than run off into a cave. Okay. Thank you all. May our intention Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.